Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. How many of you could see the smoke coming out of Jordan's ear trying to find the tune while you could hear the guitar over there? So that was better him than me. That's all I have to say. Judges chapter number six is where we're going to be today. Uh, If you didn't get any notes, Jordan and Justin have those. Uh, They got lesson five is where we're going to uh, pick up today. Um, We have been in a series entitled The Christian Mind on both Wednesdays and on Sundays. And so um, on Wednesdays, kind of looking at a little bit more of a practical approach to uh, the Christian mind. Jordan, you got a few more in the back. (laughs) Oh, oh, Justin's got them. Justin saves the day. Anyways, um, been in a study called The Christian Mind on uh, Sundays and Wednesdays. And so uh, on Wednesdays, looking at a little bit more of uh, potentially a practical approach to how we look at our mind. And so we kind of have been laying out a process. And so we started with restricting and currently we're talking about refocusing. But then on Sundays, what we've been doing is actually looking at people in Scripture that maybe have different topics and different things that have occurred in their mind or, or maybe different things that have made manifest themselves that show um, a root of the mind. And so uh, actually on our retreat uh, for the first time, I encouraged our speakers to uh, approach and kind of uh, talk around the theme. And so uh, we heard a lot of uh, talk about the mind even on our retreat. And so today I want us to pick up with really what I am considering uh, maybe one of the uh, most applicable lessons. And that is that we're going to be talking about battling fear and insecurity, battling fear and insecurity, okay? Now, I know that at least, let me address the guys in the room, I know that our first reaction is that, well, I'm not scared of anything. Okay, good for you. Um, but <laughs> Especially Matt. Like he, Now that he's done zip lining, he is just this uh, courageous, uh, courageous Carol. Um, and so anyways, but uh, we say we want to kind of assume, well, I'm not afraid of anything. Even to a certain extent, I will say that this is even maybe with girls. We don't like to uh, maybe say, well, this is what my fears are. That this is maybe with my emotions that I'm feeling. And we definitely don't like to fall into the trap of, of thinking that we are insecure or letting others think that we are insecure. But the truth is, is that Scripture has a way of speaking into even the things that maybe we don't like to admit, right? Um, and so today, like, this is not going to be some touchy-feely sermon where we all talk about how fearful we are or maybe how we feel about stuff. But here's what it is meant to do. It is meant for you to have biblical truth to apply to a part of your life that maybe no one else knows about. And now let me just go ahead and address this as well, okay? I was going to do all this in the introduction, but we're just going to do it in the introduction to the introduction. How about that, okay? I understand that for most of us, the way that we view ideas like fear and insecurity is, well, I have to dig myself out. I have to make sure that people know that this is who I am on Instagram, or I have to put forward a portrayal of something that I'm not. 
And let me just go ahead and tell you that today's lesson is not going to be that. In fact, it is going to be a paradigm shift that you can take and apply to that. Okay? So many times in Scripture we kind of want to look at maybe the way that the world resolves fear or the way that the world resolves insecurity, and then we want to go and try to find a Scripture that kind of runs alongside that, and we end up with these little cheesy statements like, I am enough, I am valued, I am this, and, and some of those things are true. In fact, I'm going to dig into that last, the first statement I made, you are enough here at the end, okay? But we try to come up with something that kind of runs the same path as the world. In today's lesson, what I think you'll see is this, is that God's path often runs the exact opposite direction as the world. And so if you are going to understand fear and insecurity and actually have a solution that is scriptural that you can take and apply, then it's not going to be something that really looks like Pinterest and something that's going to look a whole lot more like God and His Word. And so with that in mind, I want us to go and look at the story of Gideon today. We're not going to take the time to read the whole story. It's found in Judges chapter number 6 and chapter number 7. It's interesting to me that one of the guys that we praise and probably hail the most uh, in Gideon is actually someone that really just takes up two chapters of Scripture. Um, every little kid loves Gideon. Uh, today I was uh, talking my kids and I was kind of putting together some final things for the lesson. I was sitting at the kitchen table and uh, since we were gone all weekend our kids have felt like this need to just be like attached to us at all times now. So Braxton and Baylor were sitting on either side of the kitchen table and uh, Braxton said, Daddy, what are you teaching on today? And I said, well, I said, let's, let's see if you can guess. So I started giving them clues and, uh, I, and so finally Braxton goes, oh, Gideon. And Baylor goes, oh yeah, the Gideonites. And I was like, uh, kind of. Like, Braxton, you are correct. And I said, it's Gibeonites and she was like well the Gibeonites was Joshua's neighbors and like she went into like this big thing I was like okay you're not wrong but it's a different story like we're, we're gonna work through that theological thing at a different time okay but we love the story of Gideon and most of the time we love the story of Gideon because why we can identify with it okay all these people that sometimes were these great leaders and that were sometimes just, they felt like that God had almost just prepared them and like all of a sudden there was a void in the world and these people just stepped in. Gideon is kind of not like that. In fact, one of the things that, and one of the phrases that kept kind of coming up over and over again as I studied Gideon is this, is that before we can ever be great leaders for God, we must be great followers of God. I want to repeat that, number one, because I messed up as I was saying it, but number two, because I want you to hear it again, okay? Long before we can ever be a great leader for God, we must be great followers of God. Too many times we work hard at becoming a great leader rather than becoming a great follower. And as you look in Scripture, oftentimes the people that God called and the people that God used were not someone that always were just prepared. In this case, Gideon was not someone that was just sitting there waiting for a promotion, just waiting for something to do. He was a great follower of God, and so because of that, he became a great leader for God. And so I want us to look at Judges chapter number 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 11. I would encourage you to go back and read through the first 10 verses. It kind of sets the stage, but for sake of time, we won't take the time to do that. But verse number 11 of Judges chapter number 6, the Bible says this, 
And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, not to be confused with Oprah, okay? So there's a PH, not just a P, Ophrah, which I'm probably going to say Oprah at some point just to let you know because that's the way your brain works when you see that word. That pertained unto Joash the Ab Abizarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Let me just stop and say, okay? I know some Sometimes like preachers like to go and go like crazy on verse number 12, okay? Like, this guy wasn't a mighty man of valor. He was hiding and threshing wheat, okay? He was probably just smart, okay? Like, like if you were in captivity, it's probably not the best idea to be like, hey, Midianites, look what I'm doing, okay? He was probably just smart. Sometimes we like to turn Gideon into this frightful little scaredy cat, and I don't know that you see that. In fact, by the time that you get down into verses 28 through 35, he goes and tears down an altar of Baal in the middle of the night and all the people come out and they're like, who did this? Like, who was this? Okay, we kind of turn him into like this sissy that God just turned into this mighty man of warrior. I think that he probably had a little bit more umph than that, okay, for lack of a better term. All right, so he's hiding. He, he's being smart about this, but look at where maybe this starts to show up. He says, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So he's already got a little bit of insecurity or fear, like saying, You know what? This is what our fathers experienced. Now we're not experiencing that. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in thy might, and thou shalt have save Israel from the hand of the Midianites have not I sent thee. So this is where the Lord begins to call him. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So now he's saying, he doesn't go and say, well, I'm a weakling, like I can't do as many push-ups as anybody else. He goes to really his family heritage. He says, this is where I come from. I come from a poor house. Those aren't the people that you use. I come from people that I'm the least of the people from the poor house. So he says, he doesn't really go to his strength. He doesn't go to his valor. He goes to his heritage. And for many of you, maybe some of your fear, some of your insecurities come from something in your family line. And then verse number 16, and the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, if now I've found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah and of flour. The flesh he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and he touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire out of the rocks and or out of the rock and consumed the flesh and unleavened cake. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. 
Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abizarites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, throw down the altar of Baal, and that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And he built an altar unto the Lord thy God the top of the, uh, on the top of this rock and in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. I want you to go back and look at verse number 23. He says this, or the Lord says this, And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. When we talk about battling fear and insecurity, here's what we so often seek to do. We seek to eliminate it rather than elevate it and allow the Lord to use it don't we? Well, I'm insecure about this, so here's my pathway out. I'm going to start saying stuff to uh, myself, know that this is who I am, or I'm fearful of this, and so I'm going to dig into it. When here's what Gideon had to go through. Gideon really has this intense conversation with God about, you know, Lord, I know this is what you're calling me to do, but this is who I am. God, I, I, I'm doubting you. God, are you sure that this is even coming from God or is this just some weird dream? My faith is a little bit weak in this calling, so I'm going I'm to need a test. If you read down to the end of chapter number 6, we all know that he puts out a, uh, um, he puts out a fleece. Okay? Okay? He puts out a fleece and he says, Lord, if it's damp, then this is what you mean. And then he even double checks that. He goes through these multiple tests and here's what you come to by the end. Gideon never eliminates his fear, but he allows God to use him in the midst of his fear. And so many times, here's what we do as, as human beings, especially as human beings in today's society. Well, being fearful is not cool. Being insecure is not cool. So I'm going to work to eliminate those insecurities. I'm going to work to maybe push aside my fears, and I'm, I'm going to become courageous. And all we are doing is we're elevating ourself. This is my confidence and my, my esteem and, and my security and my, and my trust is in myself because I'm the one who dug myself out of this. I was fearful about this and now I'm not fearful. I was insecure about this and now I'm, not, I'm, I'm secure about it. I'm confident in it. And what Scripture actually teaches is that it's God who uses those to platform us, to elevate us, to, to build trust in us, and to bring glory to Himself, rather than saying, this is how I've pulled myself up, and now everybody look at me, I'm this overly confident, I have high self-esteem, I'm this, I'm that. And all we have done is we've put ourselves in a position of now pride that God cannot use. And so here's the main idea that I want you to see, and this is in your notes, because because I think it's this important. Fear and insecurity are tools that God can use to show His glory and strength through your life. If that is not countercultural to everything that we have been taught about fear and insecurity, then I don't know what is. Oh, I'm insecure about this. I'm insecure about the way that I look. I'm insecure about the way that I feel. I'm insecure about the, my, my job. I'm insecure about my finances. I'm insecure about this relationship. And so what do we do? Well, I need to learn how to become more confident in that. I need to learn how to have high self-esteem in spite of that. I need to learn this and I need to learn that. And here's what we miss. When we do that, we become our own hero. 
And when God can say, you know what, you're fearful about that. You're insecure about that. I understand that you have a strange past. I understand that I probably should not come and use you. I understand that maybe your heritage and your family line doesn't lend itself to this, but I am going to use you in spite of that. And by the time you get to the end of Judges chapter number 7, here's who the hero is of Judges 7. It's God and not Gideon. And too many times our culture teaches us that Gideon needs to be the hero more than God. And the thing that I want you to turn in your minds and really in your life today as we talk about the Christian mind and battling this thing that we call fear and insecurity or whatever you really want to call it. When we talk about that, here's what I want you to shift in your mind. Is that that is not something that completely needs to be eliminated. In fact, it could very well be that God has given you those things as an opportunity for you to show His glory through them. And what we have been taught by society is this. You figure out how to overcome your, your insecurities and your fear so that you can be the hero rather than stepping back and saying, you know what, this stinks. I, I don't love that this is the way that I am. But I'm going to allow God to use it for His honor and for His glory. And so with that in mind, let's pray. And we'll ask the Lord to help us. We'll dive into three thoughts and we'll be done. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for the story of Gideon. Lord, I believe that in some ways we have maybe painted him poorly throughout church history. We've painted him as weak or uh, maybe someone that was not qualified. But Lord, he became something for You despite maybe some of his fears. Lord, he became something for you despite maybe his lack of faith to even believe that you had called him. He really gives three tests in these two short chapters where he wants to make sure that you are the one that's leading him. And so, Lord, today I would, I would ask that you help me as I teach, but you would also help those in this room as they listen, Lord, that they would humble themselves. Lord, there may be someone in this room that maybe takes pride in their lack of fear or insecurity, that they don't really need any of that. And so they've really in some ways fallen in the other side of the ditch to where now they have become so prideful that you can also not use them. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach and teach your word today in a way that is applicable, in a way that is biblical, and in a way that is relevant to where we are in today's world and in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. I want you to see, first of all, we're really going to look at three allowances or three permissions to really battling insecurity or battling fear. And the first one is this. Allow your fear to be known, or if you want to maybe substitute that word insecurity there as well. Allow your fear to be known. I mentioned in my prayer that there may be someone in the room that you almost take pride in not having fear and not having insecurities. I'm, I'm a pretty self-confident person. I'm a, I, I don't struggle with low self-esteem. Okay, good for you. Congratulations. Okay. Here's the thing that I would say. Is that if you don't struggle with those things and you're talking more about how you don't struggle with them, then you've fallen in the other side of the ditch, which is now you've fallen into pride. That this is, this is who I am, this is, this is what my problem is. And our goal is not to say, well, let's lower our self-esteem so that we can not struggle with pride and we can become this beat-down, humble person. That's not the goal. But here's the truth. Is that no matter how prideful or maybe how well you paint yourself, there is a fear in every person's life. There's a fear of maybe failing. 
There's a fear of maybe not getting something that you want. There's a fear of maybe not pleasing someone. There's a fear of even sometimes a fear that is somewhat scriptural and spiritual, a fear of not accomplishing something that matters. There is a fear somewhere in everybody's life. And what we as Christians and what we see in Gideon's life is this is that God does not come to Gideon and find him in this, this wine press hiding from these Midianites. He doesn't come to him and he says, Gideon, I've called you. And Gideon says, whew, all right, God, you found the guy for the job, does he? God, I knew that you would show up one day. God, I knew that you, God, I knew I was just sitting here waiting. And too many times as Christians, here's what we do. When God does lead us to do something, we almost see it as a treat for God rather than it being a treat for us to be used by God, don't we? Well, if only I would teach that class, then, man, it would be so much better. If only I was in charge of this, then it would be so much better. If only I did this, then it would be so much better. If only God would have called me to do that, then it would be so much better. And what we do is we promote ourselves and we, we really try to push ourselves and say like, well, God, just whenever you're ready, you have a well-qualified, a well-abled person who's just sitting here and waiting to be used. And the fact that we do that is the very reason why God does not use us. The very reason that we've maybe pushed ourselves to the top in other areas of our lives is the very reason why God says, you know what, if you're going to push yourself to the top in this, then I'm not going to use you for my service. And so when you look at someone who maybe he says, well, I don't, or he or she says, well, I don't struggle with that, I don't struggle with that, or I've got this, or I've got that, or someone who's overly critical of things, here's essentially what they're telling you. Here's essentially what Scripture even teaches us. Is that the person who's more invested in themselves than they are God and His way and His word and His work is someone that has immediately disqualified themselves. And many times what we do and what we see as Christians and as human beings is this. Is that God calls and rather than humbly submitting to Him and saying, Lord, I don't know that I'm ready for this. Lord, I I've got some fears about this. Lord, are you sure? Lord, I'm going to need you to prove this to me. Lord, do you know where I come from? No, what we would rather do and who we would rather promote as human beings is the person who when God says, hey, are you ready for this? Yep, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Let's go. Everybody, everybody's waiting on me. God's not going to use that type of person. And so the first thing that I want you to see is allow your fear to be known, not necessarily in the way that maybe you think about where you all sit in a circle and tell everybody what's wrong in your life, okay? Gideon didn't do that. He makes his fear known to one person and one person only, and that is God. So when we talk about allowing your fears to be known, here's what I want you to see. That doesn't necessarily have to be something that you plaster all over social media like what some people do. But the truth is, is that it should be something that you plaster over the walls of your prayer life to God. God, I, I need your help in this. God, I, I know what my degree says, and I know that I should be able to do this, but the truth is, is that I'm scared about this. I know that I took a soul-winning training class at church, and I know that I've been taught all my life the Romans Road and how to share the gospel with others, but the truth is, is that I am scared to share that with my boss. 
God, I know that I should be someone that is leading and that is maybe helping others and that is maybe loving someone else or maybe even just going out of my way to welcome a visitor. I understand that, but I'm not really, I don't really feel like it. I don't feel well trained enough. I, I don't feel well qualified enough. I'm shy. I'm this. I'm whatever, okay? Rather than turning, it in, turning your insecurities into a platform for yourself, take those fears and turn them into a platform to discuss and talk over with God. So first of all, allow your fear to be known, not just known to others, but known to God. And then secondly is this, allow God's testing to build trust. Allow God's testing to build trust. I've signed up for multiple email lists um, in my time in ministry and now that I've done like probably 50 of them I regret signing up for any of them because it just ends up being spam and junk mail. Okay, But I'll get something every now and then that'll say how to build trust with your team or how, how to build trust with other people and it's normally something about like you get everybody in a circle and someone stands on a chair and they fall and that's supposed to mean that when they catch them like look now you can trust these people to do it's like yeah well where were they when I was cleaning the toilets like I wasn't trusted they weren't very well trusted then okay I didn't trust them enough to, for them to respond to my email all right and so we end up making these little visuals like, well, if they can catch you, then you can trust them. Do you know that your trust was never intended to be put in man? Your trust was intended to be put in God. And it's interesting to me that in this passage, and I love this, okay, I want you to listen to this, that God doesn't build Gideon's trust in his army, does he? God doesn't say, Gideon, go and find all of the strong guys in, in your country. Gideon, you know that guy that you saw out there practicing his spear throwing? He's going to be a good one for you. What does God do in Gideon's life? He uses the test to build Gideon's trust in him. He uses the difficulty, he uses the opportunity of the fleece, and he uses the unleavened cake that he, and the broth that he brings out. He uses the army, he uses the soldier, all of them to build trust in him. He doesn't even really say, Gideon, I'm going to turn you into some great leader. He simply says, build your trust in me. And here's what we so often do as Christians and once again as human beings because it is human nature. We want to elevate our trust in ourselves. We want to elevate our trust in others. We want to elevate our trust in our company, elevate our trust in our church leadership, elevate trust in everything else. And we never step back and truly just say, Lord, elevate my trust in you. Lord, I'm trusting in this person to get me closer to you. I'm trusting in this. I'm trusting in my finances to maybe spare me during hard times. I'm trusting in this relationship to get me through this. I'm trusting in that to get me through this. We trust in every little thing along the way. And what God says is when you test me, let the trust be elevated in me. Let the trust be developed in me so that when you get in a difficult time when relationships won't help and finances won't help and your emotions won't help and maybe all of the things that you've said in the mirror for 35 years, when those things won't help, guess who you still have to lean on? You still have God. And the reason that many Christians are so weak and so really malnourished in their faith is this. They've found so many little building blocks to place their trust in. 
Well, I place my trust in my, my diet and exercise routine. I place my, my trust in my finances. I place my trust in my relationships. I place my trust in, in my church. I place my trust in this. And so we've put our trust in all these things. And guess what? When you face a disease that is incurable, you have no one else to trust. When your finances are completely gone or, or maybe there's something that money cannot buy you, then guess what? Your finances don't matter. When you get ripped away from maybe a church congregation or a class or a community or a group of people, then you have no one left to trust but God. And the testing that Gideon really puts God through and that God puts Gideon through was not there to help develop trust internally. It was there to develop trust between he and God. To the point that where you never see Gideon asking a question and making sure that God is sure when he starts to weed out his army, do you? Gideon's not basing the test anymore when God says, you have too many. You have too many. What's he doing? Lord, I've seen you do this, so I know that I trust you. Allow God's testing to build trust. And the last thing is this, what I want to close with, is allow fear to be used by God. If you are anything like me, you've probably heard thousands and thousands of lessons and sermons. I know that I'm looking across our crowd and many of you maybe grew up in church. Some of you, you've been coming to Sunday school since you were probably before you even knew how to listen, okay? And yet somehow there's very few of those sermons or lessons that really maybe cut through our memory and that we actually remember, don't we? We've heard a lot of them, but there's very few that we can run back to and say, whoa, this one changed the way that I thought. I'll never forget that one year, and I, I think it was kind of like a one-off thing. I don't even really remember. I was, I was interning here, and we hosted a men's conference for someone else, another men's ministry. And I remember that it just so happened that I needed to run the sound or help out in a session where a pastor spoke on, where uh, the title of the session was, My Friend Fear. I remember thinking, number one, I don't really know what this is going to be about. He didn't have a passage with it. He didn't have anything about it. But he basically went into a session and a lesson talking about all the things that he was scared of in ministry and scared of in his life and really had faced some difficult times and some, and, but some really exciting opportunities as a result of those. But here's what he basically came to the conclusion of at the end. He said, there's no way that you'll completely be able to eliminate things that you are afraid of. He says, there's no way that you'll be able to completely find a way to live a life to where you have nothing that you're scared of. And then he basically even said this, he goes, and if you do, then, my re then the question would be, are you doing anything that is even worth living for? You can create some safe little life, but there's at some point comes an opportunity and comes chances in life to where you are fearful, you are scared, and you have to maybe step out by faith and take a risk. But here's what he concluded. He said, if it were not for the things in this life that I was scared of, I would hardly ever find myself at the feet of a God who could help me. And if you have a life that completely lacks faith, that completely lacks fear, to where you are your own biggest hero, to where you can solve your own problems, then here's what I would say to you. You have placed yourself in a position where you no longer need God. 
I would rather be a Gideon than a Bill Gates. I would rather be someone who got in a spot to where God, I, I don't know. I, I am a little scared. I, I am a little insecure about you putting me in this position. I, I'd rather... Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.